Before we get into the word today, can we pray? Let us bow our heads. Father, I thank you that we can come together collectively as a family, as a community of believers to lift you up and to glorify your holy name. For despite everything that we're going through, you're still worthy of praise. You have never changed. You've never failed. You've never forsaken us. And so for that, Lord, we praise you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for sealing us with the Holy Spirit today. And so, Father, I pray that your word uh, penetrate hearts today. And, Lord, that it, it grow roots deep into their heart and their soul that they may use the word to continue to go forth and make more disciples today, Father. So I thank you, and we open this service. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say, amen, amen. amen. So again, uh, thank you for coming. Um, please don't forget to join us. If you're not in any particular rush, don't forget to join us immediately after service for great fellowship, great food. Uh, many of us spent the morning preparing and cooking uh, so that we can all enjoy together. So please uh, don't um, miss out on that amazing opportunity for fellowship. Um, you know, when um, many of you know, um, I uh, founded a small uh, house church uh, called House to House Ministries uh, a while back. And uh, we grew and grew and grew and ended up here with you wonderful people. God has led me in a different direction. So we've we uh, have closed um, House to House Ministries in its uh, functioning capacity. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I would always say to our baptism candidates and our, and our families who were dedicating their children is I would always ask them if they understood the significance of what they were doing or what they were asking for. Now, I know um, if you were under the discipleship of our great uh, youth pastor and Pastor Ryan, for our young people, I know you know the answer to that question. Amen. And, and thank you, Pastor Ryan, for your faithful service. Um, and for you parents who dedicated your children today, um, certainly your heartfelt words um, demonstrate to us that you understand that. But I would always ask that question, but it would always follow with a statement. And that statement was, please understand, it was a warning. And now a pastor told me this, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it is probably the most honest thing any Christian has ever told me in my life. Before I was baptized, the pastor's name is Bishop Rob Watson. He still pastors today. He led me to the Lord. He said to me, Will, before you do this, here's the warning. I need you to know things are going to get a lot more difficult before they get better. Hmm. I didn't quite understand what Bishop Watson was saying to me until about six or seven months later when I was sitting one night at my dining room table after Rosa and I, believe it or not, got into a huge argument, probably one of the biggest fights we had ever been in. And the truth be told, I sat with my heart in my hand at that dining room table with a set of divorce papers in front of me, and I was preparing to fill those papers out. This was after I got saved. And obviously, you guys know the end of that story. Rosa and I are still together, praise God, after 22 wonderful years. And I find myself falling more and more in love with you, honey, every minute. 
But it was honestly, it, it was the most profound thing that everyone, any Christian had ever said to me. Because, you know, I think there is this pervasive thought in Western Christianity that says, hey, if you do good, then only good will come to you. And that anything bad that happens to you is because you've done something wrong and God is punishing you. I, I don't read that in Scripture. But it is a pervasive thought in Christianity today. And you know why? You know why that is? Well, not why, but rather, do you know what that does to us as Christians? As Christians, we get that in our heads. And then what it does is it makes our praise contingent on our circumstances. It makes our praise contingent on our circumstances because that thought says, well, everything that, good is, that is good is of God and everything not is not of him, but it is maybe it is of him and he's punishing me. And it says, well, God, if I'm being punished, I can't praise you. And so when we're hurting and when we're in this state of whatever you fill in the blank, we just can't praise God. Has anyone here beside me experienced an unbelievable physical, mental, or emotional pain? Anyone here? Okay, and thank you for being honest. Listen, beloved, if we're going to get to a place of healing, if we're going to get to a place of restoration, we got to be honest. And I only saw a few hands go up, and I know most of you have been through it. Can we just be honest? Listen, we have to be honest with ourselves, and we have to be honest with each other as a family if we're going to get to a place of healing and restoration. And, and listen, I've been in a place of hurt. I've been in a place of pain where it hurts so bad, physically, mentally, emotionally, you fill in the whatever applies to you best, and I can't pray. And I don't want to read Scripture. And quite frankly, I don't want to come to the fellowship for whatever reason. Does anyone understand what I'm talking about today? Okay, okay, amen. Every, it's just some people here who understand me. And I, I just can't do it. I, I, my heart hurts so bad. I just can't do it. And it is my guilt. It is my pain. It is my shame. It is all of those things that prevent me from praising and worshiping the living God. And we stay in that place. We stay in that hurt. And I, I, listen, I get it. I completely understand. I'm not judging you because I too have been in that place. But frankly, something's got to change. Because you allowing your circumstances to determine your praise, it ain't working. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You, could, you do the same routine over and over again in your spiritual life. Nothing changes and you wonder why. And you want to blame it on other things and situations and stuff. And you continue to allow your praise to be contingent on your circumstances. But something has to change. You know, Paul says something very profound in 1 Corinthians 10.31, where Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, that's an absolute statement, okay? There's no caveat to that statement. There isn't a only when your bills are paid do you 
give God all the glory. It doesn't say only when your health is good do you give God all the glory. Only when your marriage is harmonious do you give God all the glory. This scripture didn't say that. It was an absolute statement without caveat, without any limitations, without any dot, dot, dot. It was none of that. And so it simply says quite powerfully and quite pointedly, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. And so how do we do that? How do we praise God despite our circumstances? Because it's hard. Quite frankly, when the storm's raging in your life and you can't see through it, how do I praise God? How can I come to someone at work and tell them how good God is when I'm going through something? When quite honestly, my faith is shaken. How do I praise God? Well, I want you to turn and open your Bibles today. And we're going to get into our scriptural reading. And as I always tell you, I don't want to give you my opinion because it's worth nothing. I really don't know much. I really have no wisdom of my own. But I can tell you what the Word of God says. So turn to 1 Peter with me today. We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read most of the scripture. I won't make you stand for our scriptural reading today because it's going to be a lengthier one. But I want you to turn to 1 Peter. It's almost at the end of your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter gives us some great insight and some great instruction here. Now what we're going to do is we're going to read a group of scriptures from 1 Peter chapter 4. And then we're going to dissect it. We're going to really dive into Scripture today. Listen, the the elders have heard you. So many of you have shared you want depth of Scripture, and you want to be fed the Word of God, and that is what we intend to do. But if you can't apply it, it's not really helping you. So we're going to help you to apply the Word as well. So we're going to read starting in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 4. God, grant us... Revelation, Lord, as we read and come to understand your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm reading today from the uh, New International Version, the NIV. Uh, Whatever you have is just fine. Uh, But we're going to read today from verse 1 till about chapter, or uh, verse 11 in 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you'll read along with me, it says in verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness, orgies, uh, coercion, or coercing, uh, detestable idolatry, They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of this, this, I always get that word wrong, dissipation. Thank you. I always get tongue-tied when I read that word. You guys understand me. (laughs) They heap abuse on you, but they will have to give account to him who was ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. 
Verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And so we want to take a little time today to begin to dissect this word, because again, The question that we're trying to answer is, how do I praise despite my circumstances? And so let's just just dissect the scripture for a little bit here. In verse 1, we read, and I'm going to recap it a little bit. In verse 1, it says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he has suffered in his body. I'm sorry, he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. You know, in John 13, we get this beautiful image of Jesus Christ in his last hours washing the feet of the disciples. And it is a beautiful picture. And Jesus himself said, and and this this was absolutely beautiful in this as he washed the feet, that he said that a servant is not greater than the master. And, And Jesus shortly thereafter, he suffered in in an unimaginable way, in a way that you and I cannot even begin to comprehend. The Bible tells us that God poured out his wrath upon his only begotten son. And so Jesus suffered as a source of our victory. Are y'all hearing me today? He suffered as a source of our victory. And not only that, he suffered in the flesh so that we, beloved, may have victory over it. And if Jesus said that a servant is not greater than his master, then why are you complaining about your suffering? There is going to be suffering in life. The scripture tells us that, but here's the difference. The scripture tells us to adopt the attitude of Christ. Now, listen, it's not telling you to go and suffer in the manner in which Jesus did. That's not what the Scripture is saying. But the Scripture is saying, be ready to suffer. Don't be surprised about your suffering. You see, we're surprised about our suffering because we allow that pervasive thought that I talked about earlier about everything is, is good and because we're good, everything will be good. We allow that thought process to get stuck inside of our heads. But the Scripture says that there will be some suffering. That Jesus himself, our Lord, our master, he suffered and we too will suffer. But it was a great example that Jesus gave us that he was a suffering servant. And his example of suffering gave us an example of endurance. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I'm going to pick somebody. I'm going to pick on someone today. Uh, Rob, I'm going to pick on you, buddy. Mr. Rob Curtis. You know... Um, my good friend, my fellow Marine, 
here, uh, Rob and, and, and his beautiful wife, Claudia. Um, I, I said to them the, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, um, in case maybe you haven't noticed, I said, you are an inspiration to me. And I, th- I think they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> like, why am I an inspiration to you? And I said, you know, you, you know why you're an inspiration to me? Because I, I, I think I have a small idea of the pain that you endure and the physical pain that you're going through and even the emotional pain that you guys endure. But the reason I said that these two are such an inspiration to me is because they don't allow, allow their suffering, their circumstance to hinder their praise. They have every reason in the world legitimately not to come to service, and they do, despite his circumstance. Are y'all hearing me? And see, it is that type of example, and thank you for letting me pick on you two today. It was, uh, it's that type of an example that Christ gave to us that, listen, in my suffering, I will give you an example of how to serve and love other people and be an inspiration. And thank you guys so much. And I can name so many of you that I have come to know personally that you have every reason not to come to service on Sundays. And maybe it might not be physical pain. Maybe it's emotional. And maybe you just want to draw the curtains and stay right at home. But see, Jesus endured all of that. Jesus endured so much emotional pain, it said, the Bible says he literally sweat blood. you got to be going through some serious stuff to sweat blood. But it is this idea of enduring and still praising because it was even in the garden when Jesus was under so much overwhelming stress, when Jesus himself was sweating blood, it was still Jesus despite his circumstances and about to endure something that none of us will ever understand, Jesus still praised the Father. What will you do? Let's keep reading. In the scripture here, as we read here in the second part, uh, of verse 1, verse 1a, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move a little faster because I, if I keep preaching like this, I'll, be, I'll keep y'all here all day. And I, I know some of us y'all want to eat, and that's okay. Um, I, w- I want to emphasize um, verse 1a, and in that part of the Scripture, let me read it again really quick. It says, he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. What does that mean? It says it's done with sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 12 says there's no condemnation. In those who belong to Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. It is because of this that the power of the Holy Spirit, beloved, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. See, this scripture, Peter is opening up in this fourth chapter of his general epistle, and he is telling us that Christ suffered for us to prepare yourselves and arm yourself with suffering, but know that as a result of your suffering in Christ, there is no longer condemnation for you, but you have been freed by the Holy Spirit from the bondages of sin. And for that, we should glorify God despite our circumstances. All right, let's continue. Let's continue reading. Um, See, our suffering, beloved, will not stop our praise because we are dependent not on ourselves. See, that scripture in Romans said that it was the Spirit who freed us. It was the power of the Spirit, not our own power that freed us. It is not our own power. See, we lean too much on our own power. We lean too much on our own understanding, and then we wonder why we continue to struggle. Well, Jesus says you don't have to. In verse 2, 
It's a follow-up to verse 1. Let's read it. I'm going to keep going as quickly as I can. It says, as a result, he, has, he does not live, you and me, the rest of our lives, our earthly lives, for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. What's the will of God? We talked about this last week. The will of God is to do what? Preach Christ res- crucified and to preach Christ resurrected. That is the will of God. And as a result, to make disciples in the name of Jesus. That is the will of God. Okay? And he says we no longer want our own stuff. We no longer want the wild living in the evil of the world. No, we want more the will of God. The Bible says that we should be anxious to perform the will of God. That it is no longer a fire in our belly to go drinking or to go this or to go do that and all the stuff of the world. No, my only desire is to do the will of God. That my very life, not my words, but my very life displays the love, the grace, and the will of God. That's what the scripture is telling us here. This is what the scripture is trying to understand, that we have to preach this good news. Again, I see a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I, I saw a, um, um, a reality TV show of a, of a gospel singer who was speaking the word of God, but this woman lived in drunkenness. I don't care what words are coming out of your mouth. If your life does not reflect those words, it doesn't matter. It means absolutely nothing. You have to have a burning desire in your heart to do the will of God and not your own. And that means that there might be some pain that's going to come your way. If I'm going to deny myself and crucify my flesh, that's going to hurt. How many of y'all understand that? It's not going to feel good. It's not going to be pleasant. There's going to be some suffering that's going to come along. The scripture gives us confirmation. We won't through, through all of it. But if you read verse 3 through 5, it tells us about all the wild living that you used to do, but you don't want that no more. At least I hope you don't want it anymore. It talks about all of that wild living. And it says we should be hungry and we should have a desire and a burning passion to just want God's will more than we want our own. God, take away my desires and fill it with just yours today. That's what we ask for. See, it's our very dependency on, on self that causes us trouble. But the Scripture says, no, leave your dependency of self. But it is our dependency on Christ and Christ Jesus alone that will give us that burning desire. Okay, let's continue. We've got a little bit more time left. We're going to zip right through this. Um, really quickly, in verse 4 and 5, it talks about um, the people that you used to run with. How many of you all know about those people you used to run with? Okay. It says those people you run with, they're not going to understand why you don't run with them anymore. See, beloved, worldly people will not understand your salvation. Worldly people will not understand what you have received because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals it to you and hasn't revealed it to them. They won't understand it. And one of two things is going to happen in your life, beloved. If this hasn't happened already, this is going to happen. One of two things is going to happen. They're either going to congratulate you and say, well, look, good for you. I'm not down with that ride, but good for you. Or they're going to say, you're a fool. Man, and that hurts. Especially when it's a friend that you've known forever. Or a family member that tells you, you believe in that Jesus stuff. You're a fool. But you know what God has given you. And so you believe anyway. You know, the old, the old saying is to let go and let God. Well, here's a scripture where it says, look, I'm, completing letting, I'm completely letting go of myself. And I don't want my old living anymore. God, I want you 
And I want you not only to be in my life, but I want you to live through my life, God. Are y'all hearing me today? All right, we're almost done. We're almost done. We're going to get through this really quickly. All right, um, let's read really quickly just the last few verses, 7 through 11. Really quickly, we're going to break it down and we're going to get you out of here. 7 says, and that the end of all things is near. In some of your translations, it says that the end of the world is near. What is the scripture talking about? The scripture isn't talking about the world's going to be destroyed, but it's talking about this system of things that is led by the prince of darkness, that is led by the God of this world, that is Satan the devil. It says that this is, the end is near. Why is that important to us as believers? You know, we Christians are kind of crazy folk. And you know why we're crazy? Because I think we're, the, we're one of very few groups of people that when we read the world is going to end, we actually celebrate. Okay? But this, the Bible says that, the, that the, the, the end of the world is near and we celebrate. Why? Why do we celebrate, beloved? Because we as believers see life in the light of eternity. You see, we don't see life for right now because if we did, we would just hang it up and go home. But see, we have an eternal kingdom mindset. See, so many of us live for YOLO. Okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all used to live YOLO. Okay, you only live once, right? <laughs> okay. And, uh, okay, I guess that served you for a, for a time, I guess. But th- that's not a kingdom mindset. That's not a, a mindset in, in light of the backdrop of eternity. And what do I mean? See, most people are like, well, I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well do whatever I want. Right? But the Bible tells us that, listen, you're going to live forever. The question is, what's your address going to be? You will have an eternal life. But will you live in eternal separation from God and his glory, or will you live in his presence? That's really the question. And so Peter here says that this world is going to end. But before it ends, before it does, make sure you have a clear mind and that you stay fervent in prayer, that you continue to push forward in prayer. What is Peter talking about? Peter is saying, listen, as things come to a close in this world and you continue to struggle and life continues to press down on you, he says, never cease in prayer because it's your direct back line to the Lord. Try to have a relationship with your spouse without talking to them and let me know how that works. Don't worry, I'll wait. You see, prayer is our direct connection with God, and it is how we communicate and commune and have a relationship with God. And Peter says that despite your circumstances, as things in this world get worse and beloved, this world is getting hopeless and more and more hopeless and darker as the day goes on. But he says as that happens, continue to stay dedicated to prayer because that's your line to the living God. Are y'all hearing me today? Amen. And so, but we have to be earnest in our prayer. We have to be disciplined in our communication with God. But right here is where there's a call of action. Someone touch your neighbor and ask him if they're ready. Come on, touch your neighbor and ask him if they're ready. Because this is where Peter, and we're going to begin to close, this is where Peter brings the call to action. Okay, all of this leading up is kind of our prep, right? Is, is just say, hey, listen, you're struggling. And your, your circumstances aren't what, they wanted to, aren't what you want them to be. But I want you to continue to praise. And how do we praise? See, there's a call of action in our praise. You see, praise, like love, is an action word. 
Praise is not something that we do quietly and just sitting at home and not doing anything. Although you could praise God quietly, I guess you could make that argument. But praise like love is an action word. See, Jesus showed us the greatest love in his action by dying on the cross. And our praise is an action. Now watch what Peter says here in the scripture. And we're going to start to wrap this up and bring it home. Peter says, but watch this. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Some of your scriptures say fervently, with passion, with conviction. He says, love each other because love covers a multitude of sin. Verse 9 says, some of your scriptures say, open up your homes and offer a meal or offer someone to stay. It says, to be hospitable. The scripture says, don't get caught up on opening up your home. For some of y'all, that's not practical. But what he's saying here is, I want you to serve. Despite your circumstances, Peter says, I want you to serve. That it is your service that brings God praise. It is the call to action. He's saying that despite your circumstances, despite the persecution, despite your pain, despite your bills, despite all that, he says, get up and work. He says, get up and go and do something for the kingdom. That's what Peter is telling us here in this scripture. He goes on to even further exhort us in the scripture. And he says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully. Our call to action. Every time I read the scripture, it, without fail, I hear a call to action. I hear God calling us to do something. Whenever I read the scripture, why? Because the word of God is alive. The word of God is living. The word of God is moving. And every time I read it, I hear it. I see Jesus calling me to move. And right here in the scripture, he further tells us this. He says that it is your service that administers the grace of God in various forms. You see, we think that the grace of God comes through us laying hands on someone, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But God says, listen, your encouraging word is, a, is exercising and administering a form of God's grace. That you're serving someone a meal is administering God's grace in someone's life. That are you going and doing child care or working with the youth or you fill in the blank, whatever your kingdom purpose is, that that is a administering of God's grace upon God's people. Are you hearing me today? Okay, we're almost done. A couple more verses and we're, we're getting out of here. We're going to pray and we'll get something to eat. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And in verse 11, he says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as if he's speaking the very word of God, and if anyone serves, he should do it with strength that God provides. For what purpose? So that in all things, I told you, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And it is to him that the glory and all the honor belongs forever and ever. Amen. So, beloved, I don't want you to worry about your circumstances. I don't want you to stop praising because things aren't going right. Actually, that's actually what I want you to do the most praising. You know what I've learned in my very short time as a believer in the, what, only seven years, six years I've been saved? What I learned is that when trouble comes my way, that's the time that I praise God the most. Why would the enemy attack me if I wasn't on the right path? If I was doing what the devil wanted me to do, he would have no business with me. Are y'all hearing me? If you're not being persecuted, I must ask, what are you doing wrong? If you're not being challenged or pushed, I have to ask, what are you doing wrong? 
Because if you're pushing the kingdom forward, if you're administering the kingdom of God, persecution is going to come your way. Why? Because the devil doesn't want people to be saved. The devil doesn't want people filling these pews. Are you kidding me? And so when you're doing God's work, you're funny, your money's going to get funny, your change is going to get strange, your kids are going to act crazy, all of that. And when that happens, and believe me, love, it has happened to me, I just praise God. I share publicly, I'm an open book, I've shared publicly some of our family challenges and some challenges I've had with my own children. And I sat right here in this pew, or in the, at this pulpit, and I said to you, that my daughter isn't speaking to me at that time, praise God, we've been reconciled, but I said to you, my daughter's not speaking to me and I'm not worried a bit. I didn't have a care in the world because I trusted in God. I trust in God. He's going to work it all out. We sang some praise earlier, said God's going to work it all out, right? And that what you saying? Do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to live it? And even in the midst of your challenges and your circumstances, do you believe it enough to really live it? Will you say, God, and we're going to pray this right now, and we're going to be done. Will you say, God, right now, I just don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what to say. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to get the next this or do the next that. I just don't know, God. But I trust you enough that I know you've brought me through all my other challenges. And I trust you enough that I know you're going to bring me through this one. If you believe that, will you just pray this prayer with me right now? Lord, I thank you. And Lord, I praise you today. Lord, I thank you for giving me your son, Jesus, that in his sacrifice, I may live eternally, that I may share with people, even in the midst of my sadness, even in the midst of my struggle, even in the midst of my pain, that I may still let people know that you are Jehovah Jireh. That I may let people know that it is not you who caused this pain, but it is you who allows it to refine me. That it is you, God, who has seen fit to not take away this situation, but to grow me in the midst of it. So, Father, we lift you up, Lord, and we will no longer allow our circumstances to dictate our praise. For you are worthy of all the glory. You are worthy of all the honor. You are worthy of all the praise. For you have never failed us. You've never left us. You've never abandoned us, God. And so we will share your glory and honor. We will heed your call to action. And we will move even when it hurts to do so.